Hello again and welcome to the Mike Thrays podcast. You're listening to your host, Mike Thrays. And today I have a special guest. I'm very excited. A former colleague of mine. Um, I'll introduce you to him shortly. His name's Adam, Adam Cravaris. And we worked together a few years ago in a corporate accounting environment. Adam's someone who I've got a lot of respect for because even before I started making wellness changes and and taking risks and writing books. I still remember, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story. We had a, a tax training session, so hopefully you're still listening after I mentioned tax training. <laughs> tax training session one night, and I'd be looking up, I was wanting to get a guitar, and I was so excited about wanting to get this guitar. And I, I'm like, I just can't get there in time. Tax training doesn't finish till six, and Adam said to me, nah, skip training, go, just go through. Well, I'll write your name down. And I hope the bosses are listening to this. So, and I mean, that might not sound like much, you know, it's like cutting in lunch at, in lunch at, at the workplace. But that was something that Adam really helped inspire in me, kind of the willingness to do things differently and kind of put those passions first. So I'm here with Adam today and I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get him chatting shortly. But we really wanted to talk a little bit about three different main areas kind of the idea of the high achiever so really kind of breaking down the the beliefs around that and the the identity attachment to the high achiever even from the place of archetypes something i've talked about in in other episodes so far and connected with that probably the second thing will lead into that the idea of the subconscious beliefs and beliefs that are tied to an identity and again, the third thing really around both of those, integrating change and wanting to make changes and whether it is just skipping tax trading to go pick up a guitar, but sometimes the little changes can make the biggest changes in your life. So without further ado, here's Adam. Adam, how are you today? I'm very well. Thank you for your uh, very nice introduction and uh, glad to be here and having a chat. It's going to be good. So when I talk about or either just saying the word high achiever, what what do you think about it? What do you what does it associate with you? For me, that's probably something that I would consider myself to be. Uh, throughout school I was always, you know, top of the class, always striving to be the best. And that's something that's pushed me to be the best, mm. whether in sport or academically or here in the workplace. And I've found that as I've gotten older and progressed further in my career that my expectations of what I see myself to be and what other people see me to be has diverged. Mm, okay. um, it's been quite eye-opening, especially in the corporate world, trying to push your way through and, and jump the ranks and then there's a whole bunch of different things that hold you back. and. It's interesting. Um, it's very... I always see myself as being the best. <laughs> That's just the way I've always been, uh, whether it's here or sport. So I've found that difficult to try and correlate between where I'm going and how I see myself going or getting there. I think that's a really good... Just what you brought up there reminded me of something. Because um, for my story, you've probably heard a little bit about my story, I, I felt very much similar but it wasn't until kind of after I walked the Camino and I'd already met Adam and I'd already um, quit the corporate world 
and I was going to uh, meditation circles and even I'd written the first draft of my book and I got talking to someone who was a she was a highly paid highly qualified lawyer and she was talking about herself as um, the high achiever and said oh have you, were you always a high achiever like and I kind of was very quick to dismiss it because I didn't see myself that way I didn't see myself as attached to an identity but I'm not and not that's what you're saying out of me but I didn't really put myself in a box I just kind of thought like what Adam said I always wanted to do be the best of whatever I did but I remember I, I came in a corporate world and yeah I had Adam and I actually went to the same university funny enough too so we had a few you know and so I've done reasonably well at university not so well on the accounting side but on the creative side I had done really well so I still had this, you know, I had a strong belief in my ability to get things done. And I think that a high achiever can get that done because they have that belief and that belief gets reinforced because they consistently achieve. But um, I remember I tried to apply that to McCann maybe a little bit what Adam was talking about where um, I almost tried to grind through it a little bit. But when I first started, I was work and I didn't want to um, sometimes I wouldn't ask for help. I was always a little bit reluctant to ask for help because sometimes a high achiever can also get in their own head a little bit and not want to ask for help and they're supposed to know everything. And at the same time, <laughs> they end up working longer, harder hours. But some of those other, and maybe that's what you get getting a little bit at, and I'm not really sure yet, but I know for me, I was so into ethening and I like I spent five or six years probably, oh no sorry three to four years really efforting efforting, and well, there was probably an easier way, an easier way, and I could have got more help earlier. It's almost a pride thing. Maybe yeah. that's the right word, but it's I don't want to be seen as doing the wrong thing, or I always want to be seen doing the right thing, and that and I've experienced that myself too, mm. uh, and I've, I've been told that too that. I need to take a step back and if I need help, ask for help. It's not all about doing it yourself. It's, you know, being part of the team. And well, I think to be to be fair, and you were probably one of the, just coming back to what you just said, you were probably one of the people that helped me with this the most because Adam was a, a colleague of mine and <laughs> I think I'm just, maybe like some of our bosses, we, we won't have... <laughs> but we... You could hold your work a little bit close to your chest and there was maybe, I think, after the Camino where I walked, I did the spiritual pilgrimage um, and it was that. I carried that mindset into that where I was walking day after day and just efforting, efforting, efforting. And, you know, it's just like... I, and I met these... I remember I met a couple, and you might have read about it in my book, Adam, where I met this couple from the UK and they'd stopped the lunch and they're having... Bees of wine, and I'll turn up. I'm dripping. I'm, I'm up the last my water, and I'm, I'm basically like I give them a bit of the wave, and, and they they give me some of their breads, and I'm just looked at. It and I thought, what am I doing? Why am I work? Why am I pushing myself so hard? Why can't I, I get that help? And so when I came back, and maybe because I had this vague awareness, and this will touch into that with the the next few um, conversation points, but I knew change was on its way. And I think for the change, to let changing, you have to be willing to change yourself. And 
<laughs> I, I started kind of, Adam used to always come up, but we'd, we'd been working together for a long time. And I, I did this with other people as well, even before Adam and I worked together. But I think with other people, when I'd, I'd have delegated work, they were kind of a little bit more like, um, yeah, straight away, they, they just take it. They wouldn't necessarily challenge me on it. Not that it, but they wouldn't really, they just do what I would tell them to do and it got done and I kind of, I was being there controlling, but Adam really, particularly, and this is one of our bigger clients, I was kind of willing to just start letting it go. Like, what was I holding on to? Why am I really wanting to hold on to this? Particularly one of our best clients. And and I knew Adam was more than good enough, if not better, better equipped than I was. But it was about being willing to let go of that. And um, I think that's the idea for the high achiever. It's, it's still a little bit... You know, you can come. <laughs> I rode here on the on the motorbike today, and and I saw the um on the Hoddle Street Victoria, in Melbourne, and there's the people that kind of scrub your your cars, the the car washing people on Hoddle Street at, at the Thousand Vic Parade, and there's a certain identity with them, you know, and they have a certain, and they're so used to that's what they do, and and you you know, and you can make a judgment with them, and whether I was pulled up in the car, you kind of you look down and you look the other way, but I, I I pulled up on the bike and I just had this feeling he's got to come up to me, and I, there's no windscreen that just scrub the bike. Bye. But just being willing and open to kind of having a bit of an account, he just he came. I said, "Hey, here you go, mate. Yeah, nice bike, really nice bike. Yeah, thanks, mate." And this is kind of a little bit the high achiever might be still attached to not wanting to, you know, be out of control, as and they might want to be there quick to judge, and and other people can fall into a certain archetype or identity, and but. Enabling change is about being willing to have a different identity. And I think the high achiever, it feels like it's something we're always, from a young age, we aspire to the high achiever. And it's a healthy thing to aspire to. But I think from my own perspective, um, and this might be the last thing I say around this for you ads before we move on, is I think because I became attached to that, it was blocking me off from creating change. And I think to be... Adam and, and other people and even the Camino experience, it really helped me be more willing to be to let change in. And when I was able to let that change happen, my life became a lot more enriching. I was kind of I moved beyond the, the confines of the certain paradigm of the way of living and it was a lot more yeah, freedom. So yeah, do you have any last comments on, on that before we move on? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it off. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to see how how we all perceive what a high achiever is in different ways and how it affects different people and how that drives people too. Um, we all experience it in different ways. I think, I mean, you know, either Adam and I both, and even Melbourne's a bit of a football man city and the sports are such a big... And either with what's been going on recently, there's been not a lot of sport going on, but... Um, you know, we, I loved writing, reading and writing growing up, um, being creative, but I also wanted to play cricket for Australia or football for, you know, sort of team. And you become, yeah, they're, they're, people like that, they're, they're much aligned with the high achiever and even with archetypes. We might come on to that in the next section. We'll, we'll, we'll bring that into beliefs and subconscious reality. But I think 
we watch a lot of movies and we, we everybody wants to be the hero and the king. But what I've talked a lot about in, in some of my stuff lately in my, in my recent book, um, Falling and Dining, there's a certain danger with, you know, drawing the high achiever out to the hero. The hero can get burnt out and there's only so many dragons they can slay. And you know, the football star has to pull up the boots at some point, you know. So it's about how do you integrate that into the world if you're still attached to it i think it can create challenges but if you can develop an awareness around it and and just be really comfortable it's actually a strength so i think it was just a different slant on the the ohio cheat because it is people generally respect and they admire as they admire the hero they admire but it just from my own perspective when you're willing to kind of be a bit more flexible with the archetype with the identity it can allow that change and allowing the change is what really life's all about it's about changes and cycles so yeah that's kind of the next thing i really want to talk about is we talk about subconscious beliefs and reality and my videos that i share on social media and a lot of my recent writing taking that direction i never really thought would go in this way i, I did basically change I've, I've gone through a few archetypal shifts the last few years and I've kind of gone from, yeah, corporate kind of guy, high-achiever guy, to I very much stepped into what's you know they call the struggling writer or the, or the, or the kind of the yogi or the ascetic. <laughs> and Adam, Adam and our colleagues, my challenge, a few others have seen that, where I, I travelled and I got back to the seas and I had a big bushy beard and, a, and not much money in the bank account. And, and I'd never thought I'd be really talking about this type of stuff, but... A lot of the content and even building on my most recent book, Thawing and Dialing, which is really, it's about the wheel of time, the wheel of circle, the major arcana, and moving from the fool to the magician, basically archetypal shifts. And I've just become so much aware of how our beliefs, and I'd be interested to hear what Adam thinks about this too, and he's probably heard a little, me talking a little bit about this in my videos and other content, that it's almost like, it, because I, it's my belief, and I believe that our beliefs create our reality, that if we're all energy and we kind of all operate on frequencies, um, certain beliefs within the culture have a certain frequency, like, like the high achiever and the hero archetype. And, and when someone's in a hero mode, it, it's almost like they might be acting from a certain level of consciousness, three-dimensional, they, they act and be a certain dress a certain way, but subconscious, there's a lot of things below the surface, there's subconscious beliefs and the patterns and the identity. And like when I talk about the guy, the, the car wash guy, and, or even the me when I quit my job, I, I can see that, yeah, I was moving to a writing creative space, but there's other patterns within me that was also blocking myself off from um, receiving money and flow and the idea of the subconscious being so powerful you know in who we are and even in integrating change um i'm interested to hear adam what you think about the idea of beliefs and reality and and particularly if if you wanted to create a change how would you integrate that change how would you kind of would you begin looking at that type of connection between the two no, I think that's that's true. I think if you believe, and the old phrase that we've heard, mind over matter, that comes to mind when when you mention that in that if you think and you believe something, 
that will happen or you can do that. Mm. And I think that's an important thing. You've got to be in that mindset to be able to do something. Mm. Um, you've also, like I said, you've got to be open to the change. For example, when you went and walked the Camino the first time, and me, I was only about three years in at that point, so I was still quite junior, mm. and I was taking on a lot more responsibility that you had previously done. So I had to get in, in the belief that yes, I can do what you were doing. I can, you know, take responsibility, and I can provide, you know, adequate service. Mm. And it was getting into that mindset and thinking, and because I thought. I could do it if I had that negative mindset where I, I might struggle then I would struggle because I was letting myself think like that I think that's a really good point and funny you say that I was thinking about that um, a couple of days ago as I was planning to come here and um, to meet up with Adam when I, I moved on probably similar to what you just talked about Adam and Adam was again a couple of years and I was a couple of years in my first accounting role I was very much a, a junior role it was what we're talking about I did train a lot of people and I was able to work well with others, but I kind of, to step into a more senior, senior type role was a big jump. And I remember going to the job interviews. I think partly why I'm thinking about this, what's come to mind is a, a colleague of mine, or a friend of mine, um, is also looking to get another job at the moment. And funny enough, it, it's in the same office that I originally began work, work with in the accounting world. So it's just funny how these cycles go round and round. And I remember moving on that when I arrived at this new place, it was kind of like a new dimension. I mean, from, one, from a three-dimensional perspective, yeah, you're in a new office, but you're also, and the people are different. And, and, you know, I was actually working directly through a partner, a very strong-willed partner. And, and that kind of, that provided its own, and Adam can perhaps relate to that, where it was like previously I was in a, a structure where I was very much, I had client contact. But I, if, you know, there was a, basically anything that needed some form of decision, I had to kind of run by a manager or kind of, and then and they kind of liaise with the senior director. But now I was at the coalface and I had, I had staff directly under me, not just in a mental role. And I just thought about that. That was interesting at that same time. I remember I'd gone out and I'd bought new suits. I had new suits, new shirts. It was obviously a different physical location. But it wasn't a new kind of dimensional reality and I, I had to kind of match that mindset. And I wouldn't have been aware of that at the time, but Adam's exactly right. But this is the funny thing at the same time, and I'd be interested to hear what you think with this, Adam. Um, you might, I feel like you might have actually come from a different perspective on this one. Um, I'd been grinding, grinding, like really three-dimensional, working really hard before I got, and then I got to this position. And... I did kind of still continue on that a little bit because I had to take over from a um, person that, yeah, there weren't all a lot of notes, study notes, references, and I might have done this to Adam, who knows? <laughs> when he's taken over a lot of my stuff. But when you kind of have to, and I was working in a different system, and I was trying to, Adam knows I was very, I'm generally very organised and, and I wanted to have a certain structure. So I, I worked very, I was still putting a lot of time in the first few months, but what I found, was it actually, well, it was more in the flow. It felt like I was doing less, but achieving more. And I was being more remunerated. And and I don't know how you feel with that, Adam, but that's what I felt like that 
I don't know, it was kind of like what people talk about and like only three-dimensional, fifth-dimensional reality and, and the idea of 3D, you know, we think about three-dimensional 3D glasses and, and in the mindset, a 3D idea, a lot of, if you're listening to this, you might be into this stuff, is the idea that it's kind of like a, a slave mentality at the cult, where, where you kind of, it's a program where you just, you work your butt off, you, you, you work, and the harder you work, the more you receive. But I, I, I could even perceive this initially in the first job, and even when I came to the second role, and I'm beginning to see what Adam thinks, is that it wasn't so much about how hard I worked. It was about how I dealt with clients, how I was able to delegate, and how I was able to step into that archetype and that belief. And I think that, I feel that's really important. I wasn't aware of that at the time. It was very intuitive, kind of stepping into that. But I feel in terms of the experience it gave me, it's really helped me kind of integrate into what I talk about now and, and, and connect with other people and even my own journey from the, yeah, the Camino to, to being the struggling writer and now having my own business and promoting. And I think, I guess what I'm asking you, Ads, is, yeah, you had to do that big jump and you had to kind of step into it. And I know even when I first got back, um, <laughs> to be, I think a couple of people, um, another colleague actually did say um, it wasn't necessarily easy for you. But to be fair to Adam, Adam didn't complain about it to me at all. He, he was kind of, I think he was willing to take on the responsibility. And this is where that change happened, where he was already kind of showing a willingness to, to take that on. And I think um, if there wasn't that, he wouldn't have been able to be ready for that and uh, maybe that's with the belief that either with shifting archetypes and dimensions and energy and I think to achieve a quantum shift you don't have to kind of go all in you know it can start with skipping your tax training to go get a guitar and that that could you know they say the small steps can lead to the biggest outcomes and I think that's probably what I can maybe suggest from my experience anyway. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and going back to, like you mentioned, when you went to walk the Camino the first time, that was, I was very apprehensive about that, but there wasn't a choice. Mm. Like it was either me or no one would know what to do. So it was up to me and I felt like I had that responsibility, not that I didn't want to, which mm. I did, mm. but it forced me to change. Um, even so now, my role has predominantly become relationship driven mm. and when I first started I always felt found it difficult to call up someone that I'd never spoken to or I'd never met and call them out of the blue but now I've got myself into that mindset where I enjoy doing that and I'd rather pick up the phone and have a chat and see how they're going and just have a conversation it doesn't all have to be about work it can be about other things too but I feel like that that has improved me um I, th- I feel that's really valuable. I think that's exactly how I felt too. And I remember, it's funny to even hear Adam say that because um, yeah, I definitely, when I first started, I was very loath to pick up the phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but meeting Adam, I kind of, I was struck by how almost confident you were and, they, and how he was very much willing to take on that, that responsibility so I'm actually surprised well, sometimes our beliefs that reality can be surprising that's funny because if you had asked me back then I wouldn't have said that but it's interesting to see how you had saw me that way yeah where I didn't feel it yeah so, so 
I think before we, before we move on, I'd like to say this one, one more anecdote to that, about Adam that you might find interesting. Um, and this is partly why I, I did feel that way about our confidence. We used to have, we'd have a weekly meeting. We had our weekly staff meeting, <laughs> our, our planning meeting. So hopefully you're still listening to this. <laughs> we haven't bored you too much. But for, for business services, tax services, financial planning, accounting, and that, it can be a very dry field. But we had certain measures of KPIs, and we got to a space where we started rotating the chair at the meeting um, to kind of make it a bit more exciting. And what I loved about Adam was that he would write, have a joke. He'd write a joke. <laughs> so when it would be his, I'm not going to put you on the spot now, days. but. Um, he, that was the type of person he was. He, and this is for a very, for, and maybe being a bit younger, um, you know, a lot of corporate ambitious types. Adam was willing to kind of bring a light, light-hearted approach. And I think that really helped from my own perspective. It put a lot of people at ease in that environment. So credit to you, Adam. <laughs> but I think the last thing, I think we've already touched on it, and I feel, and maybe you might, if you feel you would have taken it in the other direction before we finish up, Pads. Um, it's that change, and I, I kind of see myself as, yeah, a little bit of a, a change, um, I guess, not so much a change expert, but someone who very much dealt with or experienced significant change and transformation. And so, you know, particularly going from a, a corporate guy um, to a creative I kind of had to go through certain patterns and beliefs and the subconscious of the high achievement archetype type stuff. Um, and maybe I think Adam and I had a little bit of a chat about this before we began. Kind of wanted to know how do we create a change and, and how do we, if we, there's a change that we're calling, um, wanting to bring into our life, um, how to integrate, how to really... Yeah, how to bring our dreams to life. And I feel that's a, a, I think that's a lot of people that have where you might have a secure job, you might have a stable career, um, either relationships might be reasonably stable, but there's this hard calling that's kind of, there's certainly the case with me. So is there anything you want to kind of build on that ads before I give my perspective? Well, I was going to say, I'm probably not the best person to <laughs> comment on this. I've been here now nearly seven and a half years so and I guess looking at it you know from an outsider's perspective I could have been better off to maybe move on several years ago mm. you know I may have been able to progress my career further by doing that but I guess I chose to stay so maybe I'm still not open to change myself and that's why I've been here for so long and that's something that I need to look at if I was to. Am I in it 100%? You see, without going into your personal circumstances, do you feel any big... Do you feel like there's a change that's building you? Are you wanting a change? Or Because change for change's sake isn't necessarily mm. required. And, I, and from my own perspective, and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely interested to hear what you have to say on this and your own feedback, because... Again, my pigeonhole you, you, you never seemed you're, to me to be reluctant to change. And we, this is kind of, we're just listening to what we're talking about, a bit of the theme that's come. Sometimes we have this perception of someone, and even someone like Adam I know really well, 
It's amazing how there's a saying that when you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at change. It's the same as people and situations. But I'm, I never really saw Adam as reluctant to change. I, I feel sometimes life, you know, kind of brings those changes to us. And yeah, like I've, I've met people, one of my neighbours growing up, he used to have a different hobby every few weeks, you know, he'd have he'd start up football, then he'd be on a karate, then it might be BMX or, you know, or he'd have some type of, there's different sports. And he's, and I, at the time, I found that was really strange and, and people can be quite critical of that. But at the same time now, I, I can sort of get on into having that willingness to create change. But certainly a theme, and you might have picked this up in my book, it's the Camaro book, I am Michael and Jenny the Hutt. Shameless p- plug, everybody. <laughs> if you want to hop on Amazon, you've got through half an hour so far. So <laughs> if, you can, if you're keen to learn more about it, that's where I'm, go- I'm going. But what I would, and maybe I'd be interested to hear what you think with that, as having read that, my ability to create change came from a long period of having no change, you know? And there's a little bit of that with the awakening journey that and even stuff that I... The people that tend to make big changes in their life, normally they've kind of... They, for me, I had a state of inertia for a long time. I had nine years in the accounting, probably eight and a half before I walked the Camino. Um, and, yeah, there was a few different accounting firms within that, a few changes, but would it be all that different than what you've experienced? That's in terms of, yeah, you've been in, into, within the same corporate, same office, same space, with different roles of different teams and different structures and different clients. So, but for me, I mean, work was one symptom of it. It was kind of connected to um, everything. And I felt very early on, when even before I began in the corporate life, I wanted to do something creative and I kind of, um, I, I didn't have a story. I didn't have something ready to kind of go into at that point but there was still that intention to eventually and even for me um going to corporate world and and meeting a lot of wonderful people and and kind of developing certain skills and acumen and stuff i'm bringing to my business now i feel change sometimes happens through us you know and i we don't have to necessarily rush it but sometimes it's about preparing us for to allow that last kind of stage in. And if you listen to this this particular episode today, maybe that's something that you can relate to, whether it's a relationship, a workspace, a home, all three of those changed dramatically for me. And that's what I, I probably needed because I, I lived to that point. And that's kind of coming back to that theme of the high achiever. I was boxed into something for my own beliefs, my own beliefs creating my reality that... I couldn't be a disappointment. I couldn't take a risk. The, the high achiever um, kind of, yeah, they pick their, they, they want to win at certain things, but to, to deliberately kind of cut that world off and try to begin from scratch in a new world can, can be quite challenging. But at the same time, having kind of developed that ability and have that ability, um, there's an awareness that they can re- rebuild or they can take that to an entirely different field. And even with what you talk about with relationships and, you know, coming into an accounting world, it can be, it can be quite dry and, and corporate and, and numbers, but even in my own experience, I enjoyed it a lot more with, with that relationships and you learn how to deal with people. 
and even I've seen a few of our former colleagues have now gone on to consulting at other type of roles. And I think what you you learn is that life can happen through you, and or does happen through you. But change happens through you. When you're ready for that change, it kind of it will happen. You just have to kind of say yes to that opportunity. And and sometimes building back again what I initially talked about to be willing to allow that opportunity in it's just about taking a few small steps and it could just be doing something a bit different so I think that's probably all I could really suggest or share with that today Adam is there any final comments you might want to say before we wrap up uh, no I think we've we've hit it all on the head but uh, thank you for having me it's been a pleasure talking um, and if you'd like another guest, feel free to call me. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that. A big thank you to Adam and a thank you all to, to listening through us in the last half an hour. I hope you really got a lot of value out of that. And we'll be back again soon. Bye for now.